Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning into Dose of Leadership, man. I'm so excited to bring this episode to you today. You know, I've been doing this show almost eight years, and um, I really enjoy this. Uh, the quality of guests or the, the type of guests that I get and the conversations that I've been having are so meaningful to me. I hope you're getting some value out of them. And this one is just so value-packed, so meaningful. To me, it was. Uh, Jimmy Vaughn is my guest. He's a very passionate, charismatic disruptor. And I really appreciate his approach as uh, the transformative approach as he approaches the challenging topic of diversity, of inclusion, a topic that I'd be quite honest, I would typically shy away from. And in the corporate arena, I would probably, when I'd hear that someone like Jimmy Vaughn, who's a diversity executive and inclusion strategist, I'd be thinking, oh gosh, here comes some guy that's going to bring on some mandatory fun from the human resource department. And um, it's just going to disrupt our day. But when you hear Jimmy talk about it and you hear what he has to say and what he believes, he's one of the few individuals that I've met who is so in love with the human condition. And he comes from a, a very loving place. And he's very direct. He's very upfront. But I think he has, if there's anybody that can tackle this topic, it's, it's Jimmy. I mean, I really got a ton of value out of this conversation. He's a trained professional in the human resource department, but he's, he's got a, well over a decade of experience of working for top global brands in the entertainment industry, industry where he's been the leader in company-wide diversity and inclusion strategy. What I appreciate about him and his approach is that he believes that there's an ethical responsibility a foundational in values and principles, which I think sometimes gets missed when we talk about this. And he believes that if we're going to create an environment where a true meritocracy can exist and afford opportunities for everyone and breaking down barriers, at the core of that, you have to understand that people are at the core of, of any business and investing in a diverse workforce creates a more resilient company. You can't disagree with that. And it has to be rooted in values and principles that are universal. And I can't agree more. And again, this can be a difficult and polarizing topic. Uh, but a guy like Jimmy Vaughn uh, is well equipped to break that polarization down. So I encourage you to take a, a, a healthy listen to this episode, particularly when you've been scared uh, about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's an area that, again, that I would shy away from, but I'm trying to bring people on here to open up people's perspectives and look at things, again, through a leadership lens of love and understanding. Because, again, at the root, have you heard me say on this show many times before, that at the core of leadership is this agape style of love. And Jimmy gets it. And uh, just a fun, value-packed conversation, uh, an in-depth conversation, a profound conversation, to be quite honest, if I can be frank enough. So I really think you're going to enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me at richard at doseofleadership.com. I'd love to see what you think about this episode. And if you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast episode. Obviously, Apple Podcasts is the, is the mainstay, but you've got Google Play, you've got Spotify, you've got Stitcher. 
There's all kinds of ways you can listen to Dose of Leadership, and I'd, I'd love you to subscribe, rate, and view. Your word of mouth, your subscribing, your rating, your reviewing does wonders keeping me front and center as we continue to maintain top status in the business management category and still making top 10, top top 25 lists in all types of categories uh, on the internet. And so I pre- it's all because of you and your support. And this show is also brought to you by my sponsor, Equity Banks. Been with me over two years now, well over 50 episodes. It's a team that literally knows what it takes to start and grow a business. They understand leadership. It's been exciting to watch Equity Bank grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're listed on the NASDAQ exchange. they got locations all across Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas with plans to expand even further. Clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, go check them out. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. I really do appreciate you listening. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Let's join our conversation with Jimmy Vaughn here on Dose of Leadership. Jimmy Vaughn, man, I'm excited to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. You know, we, a lot of people don't realize I you know, have a little, a lot of small talk before we start recording and I'm like, gosh, dang, this is going to be great. I can just tell. I can, doing this, you know, 450 times, I can tell this is going to be a great conversation. But so tell the audience a little bit about what you do, uh, what you're doing now currently and, and, um, and what is your passion? Well, uh, currently, like I am a diversity executive for uh, a media production company. So we do like post-production work, but I often get that question of like, what is a diversity executive? Like, <laughs> right, what, right. you know, like, what do you do? You know, <laughs> what does that mean? And I think the, the most kind of like creative way that, that, that I tend to explain it is, um, you know, as, as we've kind of delved into the conversations about what ex- uh, what kind of behaviors we're trying to address, like, you know, over the past few years, um, you know, actually much longer than that, but really coming to light, especially like even within this year, uh, we realize that w- what we're dealing with are, are actually a system of behaviors, right? So we've got habits, we've got things that, um, that we've been doing for years that we've just accepted as like the status quo, things that we're not even conscientious of, like don't even realize that might have some kind of a barrier or impact, uh, like, you know, toward people trying to have access to opportunity or resources or things like that within like in the business world. And so what I try to call out is that like, we realize that these behaviors aren't just behaviors, but they really are habits. And so we know how hard it is to break a habit right? Like we already understand that. So what do you typically do when there's a big habit that you want to break, when you want to change the way that you live, right? You hire a personal trainer. (laughs) Right. And that's what you are. Essentially, that is what I am. I am a personal trainer, you know, for like organizations, entertainment companies, all of that, uh, that, that a lot of times like people think like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix the diversity issue. That we have. No, 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 no. Uh, right. What I'm going to do is make you run laps. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Through the exercises and bring a certain level of expertise and all of that. And by the end of that, if you stick with the program, I promise you're going to come out healthier. You're going to come out stronger and more resilient on the other side. So in a nutshell, 
that's what I do. Well, I like how you presented that because I don't envy your position at all because I can imagine, okay, I'm going to hire Jimmy Vaughn or Jimmy Vaughn's going to come in and, and like, I can just imagine the workers because I've been in there and it's like, oh God, here we do mandatory training and Jimmy Vaughn's going to tell me how bad I am and how I do stupid things and this and that. And he doesn't know me, right? I mean, you probably get a right. lot of that resistance going in there. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. how do you deal with that, right? I mean, you, you, I like your approach because when you – the way you just described that to me, I don't think I've ever heard that explained to it that way as the trainer. I think that's a perfect analogy, right? I'm going to make you do laps. I like that because that makes sense, right? Be yeah, and, and, and it kind of at least manages the expectation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, of, of what it is that like that – that we're up against, right? And it's not a situation of like a quota or, you know, anything like that. I think a lot of people get resistant. One, because, you know, they've been through a lot of these trainings and they've never seen change actually happen. So there's right. a certain amount of like right. fatigue that, that, that comes into play. So you get resistance in that way. And then also sometimes you get resistance when, when people feel that they're being singled out or they're like, you're making an assumption about what, you know, who they are or who they right. aren't or what they believe and what they don't believe. And it's really not about that, right? The, the reality is, is as humans, we all have biases. Right, right. Right, as humans, we all have them. And they are all, you know, tend to, to kind of prefer our norm. Right. And so the, the issue that, that we kind of run into is that our norms, like when we try to make, when we assume that everyone else's norm is the same as ours, and you add on top of that being in a, in a position of power or of authority or anything like that, then there ends up being kind of like identity-based barriers that are created in that space. So what I try to do is focus on those identity-based barriers and the removal of that so that our baseline is inclusion. Our baseline is something that, you know, we, we've got the tools to be able to think about what's a part of everyone else's norms that might be able to, you know, that, that might exist within this population organization or whatever, and then start from there. So that tends to get what people, you know, a little bit more on board. Yeah. I like, I like what you're saying. It sounds a little different than what I've heard, you know what I mean? That I've heard. So, but how do, give me some concrete examples. Like how, how do we, how do we do that? Is there a simple example that you can think of that is, you know, like, um, let's assume that I'm a CEO of a company, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm getting feedback from my people, you know, here, and, and I'm a middle-aged white guy like I am. I'm a 53-year-old white CEO. And uh, I've got a lot of millennials. I got a lot of pretty diverse crowd. And they're getting feedback. And let, so perfect example. Let's take, let's go back to the George Floyd thing, right? Which I think when that happened, it was a heck of an opportunity for everybody to coalesce and come together, right? I mean, it was one situation where, and it, and it seemed to got derailed somehow. Politics got involved and everything, and it got derailed. So here I am as a CEO. The George Floyd thing happens. I feel like, you know, I've come from, I didn't have nothing. Let's just assume, you know, didn't come from money. I, I, I made my way up to my own, right? I, I pulled up my bootstraps and I feel like I'm a made man, right? I did it all myself. No one handed me anything, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see where I'm going with this, right? So mm -hmm. I'm like kind of resistant to, you know, I'm one of those guys that maybe said, you know, when Black Lives Matter was, well, all lives matter, right? And like I'm not, I'm not seeing, uh, look, I pulled up my bootstraps and this and that. How do you tackle a guy like that? Like, the, you know what I mean? Like you're coming in. I'm open, right? I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm not. Uh, 
I feel like I'm inclusive. I feel like I'm not a racist. I feel like I'm concerned about all lives, right? What would you say yeah. to me? What would you say? How would you start with me? So the, the professional me or the personal me? Both. <laughs> I mean, both. I want to hear, hear both sides, right? I mean, I think, so, I think personal. Yeah. Like, let's say that you're my friend. Let's, let's on a yeah. personal level. Let's say that okay. I didn't hire you and you're my friend. Yeah. And, and, and this is a good point because okay, you and I have been friends. Say we knew each other for most of the years. You know, maybe we just we're friendly at work and this and that. And maybe we've gone to lunch a few times, but maybe I don't know your family too well. You don't know my family all that well, yeah. but I consider you my friend. What would you say to me, right? Because now, because now all this happens, now I feel awkward. Now I don't know how to act around Jimmy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As a white guy in this, I'm like, well, and now thanks for introducing all this awkwardness. Now, you know, what would you say to me as your friend? Yeah, for, for me with, with, with my friends, I'm always open to, you know, to conversation, but I'm also very, very direct. Yeah. Uh, you know, like with my friends, I'm not really, my job isn't to make my experience palatable. Uh, right that. yeah for anyone else that's right so as the as the personal me those are the things that I like to impress upon you know like my friends is I'm like yes you have access you know to me but in our friendship this is this responsibility is not just mine right if you are my friend you want to know more about my experience absolutely you are coming into this conversation wanting to learn suspending your own preconceived you know beliefs and notions in an attempt to to bridge a gap yep. right in an attempt to understand what this thing is that i'm speaking about what this thing is that has me so you know visibly shaken mm -hmm. or distraught something that i am communicating is of you know of pain right. to me right right so a lot of times i see when people come in they they want me to justify it they want me to explain it to them so that they can grasp it. Well, you've already started this conversation incorrectly. Right. <laughs> if 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 we're starting this from a place of friendship, right? That's it's like because right. that 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 responsibility that's being placed on me is 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 not friendly. Of that's you know, right. like explain to me, you know, your trauma, so that I understand it because I'm already coming in not believing it. And I think people miss. I think people miss that no, a lot. They, that is, no, I think that is a very salient point. I mean, when you said that, that that was like an aha moment. You're right. It's that's absolutely right. As your friend, I mean, because think about it, even in reverse. I mean, if say something happened to me, no matter what happened, whatever it is, you would never go to me and say, "Why are you upset because your dog died? Why are you upset right. because your daughter has estranged from the family?" You know what I mean? Right. You don't go justify that. Why you you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's like why is this why is this screwing with you? Why are you not <laughs> able to show up in our friendship right because this person, you know, has cancer? Like what? Exactly. Like that's not a good friend. That's right. right. <laughs> like so I, I always I'm I'm always kind of like baffled when people come in from that space because they're coming from like a self-centered kind right. of like you know, space into that and not understanding why I would respond the way that I do yeah. when, you know, if that's the way that they came. So, you know, I think I'm also somebody who I believe is like, you know, really, really consistent, you mm -hmm. know, like across the board. So it is like, I give people the benefit of the doubt, but I give people opportunity to have a discussion. Uh, I'm one of those people where I'm like, look, we got a little window. The first time that we talk, I understand, you know, you might not know what's going on. You might not have, but every time that we have a conversation, we need to be progressing, right? There needs to be some kind of, of, of 
work that's being done on your time. If you are coming to me asking me to explain something to you and you're expecting me to be your entire encyclopedia, you know, or your <laughs> your entire <laughs> source of, of information, I can already tell that you're not truly invested in understanding what's going on. Right. Right. Because you've this is the age of information. Look it up. Right. You know, like look up anything. Now, I can always tell with the types of questions that people come to me with, if they are based off of something specific, then I'm kind of like, all right, they're in this conversation. They are in this process. They are trying to learn, you know, specific things and they're trying to get my perspective on something specific. I got all the time in the world for that. Right. Right. I don't have all the time in the world for people that are just looking for a conversation that's going to make them feel better, that they're looking for me to absolve their feelings of guilt. They're looking, you know, for yeah. me to make them kind of like more comfortable in those types of situations. So I always look at it in, in like in those spaces. I know that didn't necessarily answer the, the no, it, question. No, but it did answer a lot of what I, what I, I figured you were going to say and I was hoping you would say because that was like, yeah, you're exactly right. Because yeah. be a friend. I mean, what it boils down to is like, you know, be my friend. And right. And like, even like when, when the George Floyd thing really blew up, you know, and you'd see it, I'd see it on Facebook and it was just like this weirdness of like, you know, all these white friends reaching out to their quote unquote black friends. And it was almost like, you quit trying. So, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like, why are you trying so hard? Does that make I sense? Think, yeah. But I, but I feel like anytime that we're experiencing something new, I, I think I have a little bit of grace for that. Right. That's true. Uh, I feel like we have, That's true. you know, sometimes we're trying to reach equilibrium. And and in it in a lot of these processes, when there's something that we've never done before, we're gonna make the discovery is, you know, people reaching out. I'd much rather you reach out than than stay silent. That's that's a good point. Like I'd much rather know where you're coming from as opposed to wondering. Because, you know, during the the demonstrations and like after the George, you know, Floyd uh like murder and, and, and mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor murders, um just inherently, like as a as a black man, I was just kind of like looking at all of my friends who said nothing. Mm. I immediately, like, and, and particularly like my white friends, I was uh, kind of like, you know, wondering, where are you in this? You know, people that I thought that were in, it, on board, I'm, you know, and kind of like understood. I'm like, where are you with this? And I saw that happening in, even in uh, like the, the the professional world. Is like your coworkers were kind of like, how is this impacting? Like, and so you start looking over your shoulder about like, you know, like everybody, because I'm like, how can you like cavalierly not have commentary on what's going on? Mm. So Do silence, you know, kind of brewed that, you know, that, 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 that mistrust. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see that. I can see how that, that perceived, but I, I also can see too, like, oh, people were so, I don't know what to do. It's so uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, that's what I get, the great, like, great, you know? I, I get that, but it's like, you know it's one of those things where it's hard to have uh, it like, it's, it's very hard to have kind of like sympathy for it. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. It's, it's hard to have sympathy for it. Because, because yeah. Because, because it was such a, it's it almost like it was such one of those spaces. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I was, I, I was saying it was such a, it was such I, a, I muted you. Sorry. Oh, sorry. There we go. Can you hear I'm me? Over, I was over speaking with you <laughs> right. because in, in my headset, I muted you. Oh, that's my all right. Bad. No, <laughs> well, I was just going to say because it was, it, you're, I, I get your point because it was such a galvanizing event, such a large event. Yeah. Uh, such a tragic event, you know, akin to where, again, it was one of those events. And this is why I, it, it saddens me because it, if there was a, a time where, okay, now we can finally address this 
where everybody's on board, there was that moment of time, but it got hijacked somehow. And I don't even know how it got hijacked. And we don't have to spend time even trying to figure out how it got hijacked. Right. And it got even more polarized. But there was that moment, right, that it's like everybody could agree. And from my perspective, it seemed like anyway. You know what I mean? Well, I I don't. I don't think it was a really a, a moment where everybody agrees. I think a lot of times when things are really really bad, things get worse before they get better. Mm. Right. And so, and, and and maybe I'm a little bit cynical. Also, like a, a bit of 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 information that people might find interesting about me is like I grew up in Ferguson, Missouri. So. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah, so another, another great. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's like I I grew up in Ferguson. So, you know, I I grew up in the place where, you know, the epicenter of the conversation around, you know, the absence of, you know, the focus on black lives from the all lives matter types of, you know, perspective kind of, you know, like came from. So, you know, like with that, I think it's, it's definitely informed, you know, kind of like my, my experience. But I think about it in, you know, in terms of, when you start to uncover stuff, because people have been comfortable for a very long time or, because it wasn't in their face. You know, there a certain part of the population, which I include myself in that, uh, has been seeing this in a variety of different ways. Like during that time, I had friends for like that I'd had for like 20 years or so that I had to divorce because of, you know, this, this disbelief during, you know, um, the Michael Brown killing. It was just being like, you know, Jimmy, we had the same experience. It's like, no, no, we didn't. We didn't have the same thing. And they're like, well, you never said anything before. I was like, you don't believe me now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, imagine when it wasn't so in, in front of your face, uh, me trying to be that singular, uh, you know, kid trying to talk about the entire experience of, of, of Blackness when, you know, like, you were, like, we're in the middle of like our, our, our everyday lives without all of that same kind of messaging around it. It's like, I was still trying to survive high school, you know, <laughs> you know when we were, you know, friends prior to this. It's like, no, I couldn't be that champion for it. But I'm like, but even now, as somebody who now has all of the, the language to be able to speak about it, the, you know, the uh, bravery to kind of, like, come forward and the experiences that, like, the examples of real life, and you still don't believe me. Mm-hmm. What do you think I was going to do then? Mm-hmm. Right? And right. so sometimes I think the, the largest part of these conversations end up being about perspective and, and, and people kind of like understanding that, you know, leaving room for varied experiences. And I think that's what's at the core of talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion is leaving room for varied experiences and not assuming that we've all had or coming from it from the same place. Well, that's a very salient point. And it gets to the heart of when we're talking about leadership, I think one of the if you're going to take the leap from being a decent manager or a mediocre leader to being a, a really solid leader, a requirement, and a, a mandatory requirement of that is that you have to have the emotional quotient, a very strong EQ to where you can put yourself in somebody else's position. That is that at the heart of every great leader that you've ever come across is that, is that ability to, as you, to your point, to see somebody else's perspective. Yeah. That is, I think, the hardest part of leadership. I don't know if it's the hardest part, but it's definitely it is definitely a requirement that's often overlooked because people look at the externals like, I got to be this large, motivating, inspiring force, which is a bunch of bullshit, right? The best way you can do that is I should be doing everything in my power to see how can I add value to this transaction. And, yeah. and, and how I'm adding value to this transaction requires that I need to know, you know, if you come to me, bank through my into my room and put your hands on my desk and start calling me an asshole. I need to do everything in my power as a great leader, 
not to dig in my heels and go, oh, yeah, well, you're an asshole too. Right. I need to go, why is he calling me an asshole? I need to listen to why he's calling You know what I mean? I need to listen to why you're calling me and see maybe he's got a point. Maybe you don't. But I, right. I at least need to somehow go out of this body, go into yours and look at it and say maybe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that it's, is it's, hard it's to listening. Do. It's very hard to do. But it's listening to the message because another thing that I, you know, recognize is that, you know, truth doesn't change no matter who says it. That's right. Right. Or how it's said. Mm -hmm. And so if our main criteria for being able to hear truth is how it's presented, then then we've got an issue. Right. Because it's like, oh, I need it to be delivered to me in a specific way, the way that makes me the most comfortable packaged in the way that I need to hear it. You know, so while I do, you know, coach people on communication and I always say that communication is selfless so there is a responsibility for the communicator to try to you know remove any noise from the messaging in and of itself but there's also a responsibility for you know for the recipient to be able to kind of like cut through you know like the noise and that that responsibility each person has the responsibility for themselves you know so but it's it's 100 you know like the case is you got to you got to be able to hear it and great leaders know how you know to do that or at least have you know systems in place to try to 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 keep themselves in check or to remind themselves that in this moment I need to be able to do this you know they've got at least the capacity and the wherewithal to to be able to acknowledge when ego's starting to you know come into the conversation or all of those other elements are starting to kind of like deter from Let's get to the core of what the issue is. Let's get to the core of the message. Let me hear why this thing is escalating and, and do something about it. I agree with you. But I, the problem, I think, is – and again, I, it's it's the good and the bad. I mean the social media, on the good side, there's nowhere to hide, right? And the downside – I mean so – I mean, there's nowhere to hide. My point is that in theory, you would think it allows us to get the truth out. But mm-hmm. yeah, some more truth gets out, but at the same time – more noise comes in, right? And yeah. so it, it's at the point now that no one knows what, you know, I, I could spend 30 minutes on whatever position and I can prove my point no matter what it is, right? I mean, I can do enough searches and cite and that's, and that's what drives me crazy. It's like, where was I, what was I reading or hearing something? Oh, I was reading, I'm reading Matthew McConaughey's book because he's coming on my show ah. next week. And he was in, he was traveling the world or whatever. I can't remember where he was at, Mali or somewhere. And he was having a conversation where there was an argument. He was with two guys and native to this country where he was in. I, I forget the country he was in. And they were starting having a conversation. And these two gentlemen who were old friends started having an argument. And I don't remember what, the, it's not the point what they're arguing about, but they were arguing back and forth. And Matthew McConaughey felt like, okay, well, I need to pick a side here. Hmm. And so he picked the side of the guy that was sitting next to him. I kind of agree with him. And the guy he was agreeing with turned to him and admonished him for agreeing. And the point was, this isn't about right or wrong. This is about being understood. Do you see? You know what I mean? Like the whole part the whole part of the culture it's about being understood so the whole part of the argument wasn't about to see who was the winner which i think is what we're all used to right yeah and both of them and then the guy that he was agreeing is like yeah he's absolutely right he says you know 
you need to learn how to argue. This is not about right or wrong. This is about being heard and being understood. And I think yeah. that's the part that gets missed in in everything that we're seeing in all the mass yeah. media things and the social media and everything else. And I don't think that, and that I think that's part of why that all got hijacked. I don't care, you know, pick a topic, pick, you know, black lives matter, George Floyd, wearing a mask, don't wear a mask, whatever. Right. It all mm-hmm. gets lost. And yeah, um, we want to win. We want to win. <laughs> and it's not about that. And it's not about winning. It's about understanding. Which, again, is a requirement for leadership. You have to at least understand. You may not agree. I mean, I may not agree with what you're saying, but at least I, I need to try to understand why you're saying, why you're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. Because until you I make room for it. You got to make room make for it. Make room for it. All right. Because until yeah. I do that, then we're never going to make progress. We're right. never going to solve the situation. I don't know. This is that, that, this, that fundamental you know, part or element of, of this overall discussion. We want to like have a shortcut to the, to the end, <laughs> right? you know, but it's like, we hate doing, doing the work yeah. and the work is the important part. The, the discovery, the, you know, the arguments, the discussions, the getting it wrong, the getting it right. That's part of it. And when we, when we resist that process, we like, we inevitably inevitably make it like longer we you know we delay the outcome by not being willing to sit in it right and and being there being present and and engaging and communicating but when we focus on on wanting to win as opposed to like understanding what's the issue we're trying to solve yeah what you know a lot of people when they argue too it's like they're they're trying to they're fighting in order to protect something and a lot of times I try to get people to understand or to articulate, like, what are you trying to protect? What are you, like, what are you fighting to protect? Right? Because that's more of what's at the core of the argument than the language being used around it. Yeah, that's a great and, point. That's a great question to ask when you see that. What are you, what are you trying to protect? And um, I think that is a fair question. You know, and I think when we, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but I, I look back at all the progress that we've made in this great country that, that we have, the people who've made an impact, like what did they do? And they didn't do it by saying I'm right or wrong. They, they went to the values. You take someone like a Frederick Douglass, for example, and he was so effective because he would sit there and he'd say, hey, this is what you wrote. This is what you said. Now explain to me how I don't fit into this narrative. And that goes to your point about what's the outcome you're trying to protect, right? Because mm-hmm. that will reveal the ugly truth. Yeah, and when you, and when that's revealed, now I can, now, now everybody can see it for what it is, yeah. right? And and that's and so you or take um, you know women's rights or gay rights or whatever the case may be. If you hold it up against you know time honored principles that really nobody created, they just exist, right? Like this 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 yearning to be free, this freedom, this this. You know what I mean? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Say, hey, this is what you wrote. You said, yeah. explain to me how I don't fit into this narrative. Right. And then sit back. Right? It's it's difficult to explain. Well, I it's can't. Like, why doesn't this include me? Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's a powerful argument. Yeah. Why doesn't this include me? And and I think a lot of times if we can take a step back, and this is, you know, these are the conversations that I do have with leaders is to get them to kind of like, you know, like, you know, when they're trying to understand it, it's trying to figure that part out. It's like, why are we having this issue? 
And the thing is, is I'm always asking them, like, why doesn't this include this person? Right. Why doesn't this include that person? And, you know, we often get into this discussion about, like, what's the value of diversity? You know, what's the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, in an organization? And it's like, yeah, there's all these studies that have shown that, like, companies are more uh, profitable when they have, like, a diverse, you know, population. And the higher up that goes within the organizational structure, the larger that margin is. But, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. But I'm not, I like, I'm, I don't want to spend the majority of the time telling you, you know, why being fair is valuable, what I'm more interested in is, is calling you out on saying, like, if you were not engaged in robust diversity, you know, equity and inclusion practices, you're not engaging in good business. You're not engaging in ethical business. Like, diversity, equity, and inclusion is about doing ethical business, you know, when you're talking about it in the work world. If you're talking about it in, like, in, in you know, the personal, like, we're engaged in the conversation about, about ethics, Right. And this is why I think that, you know, the conversation is so polarizing and where and sometimes where you get a lot of pushback from people being like, no, what's the happy medium on freedom? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like we got to understand the argument like mm -hmm. that we're in. Right. And the, the discussion. So when there's that pushback, it's like you may not realize what argument you're actually in because uh, certain groups might think that you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, policy and procedure or, or politics and, you know, things like that. And then you've got somebody on the other side who's like, no, I'm talking about ethics. Right. And since we've put ethics in the middle of politics, this is why politics ends up being so, so polarizing. Because it's like, if you're talking about a human value or something that you perceive to be a human value, uh, it is very hard to try to find compromise on, on such things. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. That's right. And I think that's why, and this goes for your personal life, and I think it goes for a business. I think if a business focuses on values and principles instead of rules and procedure, mm -hmm. they're so much better off. That's, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. My business is based on these values and principles, not this stinking rule book. And I think that's where people, you know, that's where people 
that's where the problem starts because if I think, oh, I'm just going to institute these rules and procedures and I'm going to be diverse, right? Yep. You've got to it, – it, at the core, you've got to have values and principles. That, that's kind of the argument I was making about like, well, Frederick Douglass saying, well, this is what you wrote. Exactly. Explain to me how I don't fit into this narrative. Yeah. Because it's, 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 the, it's, it's the, the point of reasoning. Right. Because I even say this about like relationships, right? It's like when you no longer reason from the same place, then usually that marriage is over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because it's like, what's your center? Where where do you always go back to? Right. If you're trying to have like an, you know, get over an argument or get over, a, you know, an issue or some kind of like conflict, it is, you know, the you got to get back to center. And that's where you get the accountability that you all have agreed upon. Mm-hmm. And when that center has, you know, like diverged that's when you have more of the issues because it's like, you're not reasoning from the same place. Right. You know, you're not talking about the same level of values. So how are you going to, to bridge the gap? And so I think that's what we're, you know, what we're kind of experiencing right now to, you know, to a pretty significant um, extent when we talk about like the polarization of like our organ of, of the, the, the country right now, as we're specifically speaking about like the U.S. is that, you know, our values have diverged yeah yeah and and we're in discussions about values where that is what we're and so i this I, I think when i said about you know uh sometimes things get ugly before they get better that's where i you know kind of what i'm thinking uh about when when i say those types of things because it's like no we got we have to really engage in the discussion about our values Stop thinking about like all these little, you know, these things that are outside of it. And also stop trying to rush to the outcome where everything is fine. Mm, that's a great right? point. Because we're point. trying to rush to the fine. We're not trying to be part of the process. We're not trying to get to do do the exercises to to call back to the personal trainer, you know, like reference. <laughs> yeah, the working out hurts. You know, sometimes it makes us sick. Sometimes we're like, ugh, the diets, you know, we're like our, our body's going through all these like different types of, you know, changes, but that's part of the process in order to get to the other side. And and we always want to fast forward yeah. through that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Well, and I think, see, and that's why I don't, and that's why I, I, I don't think the solution to any of this, I mean, certainly we've got to have, I think the political to, to rely on the political side of it and the media side of it is is where we go wrong because they don't they don't focus on the right values right the political side the politician wants to institute a rule regulation or law or process right which mm-hmm. I know we have to do but to me like what I'm and I don't know how to do this I don't if you don't have like you said the real work about getting the value the the foundation of the values or a reset of the a reset or at least a revisiting and a reminding of what we are doing here yeah and why we even exist as a nation as a human being right why am i what is my obligation here if that's not there, then all those rules, regulations, and processes won't mean shit, right? They just won't. Right. See, this is like, this is one of those caveats, right? Because it's like, 
how long is it going to take for us to, you know, to I, I do that? Know. Because typically people, right. And it's like, you know, it seems impossible. Don't have, so, but some of us don't have the luxury to see that pan out. Right. So if, if, if you're part of the group that, that seems to be being disproportionately impacted by infrastructure, do you have the time? No, do you have I mean, the luxury to wait that out? So it's like, no. So sometimes, you know, these regulations have to come first. I see what you're saying. Because well, I mean, what I th- most people are asking for is like, I need protection from, from this disproportionate impact. And since you don't, since, since it doesn't seem like everybody can come to consensus on the value, I, I, need, I need the rule. I need the, you know, like the protection to kind of like roll out. Yes, ideally, and, and you know, we would love it to be that everybody got it and was on, on board, but practically that hasn't worked. It's like the fact, and this is like, th- this, is, this is where the real personal me starts to kind of go, <laughs> right. it's like, we haven't gotten it right for over 400 years. <laughs> Right. Like the fact that if we're talking about like the black experience in the U.S. in particular, the fact that we are still having these conversations over a period and it's just been marginal, you know, kind of like increase. There's been some really significant, you know, things, but it's like, from where are we starting though? Because you like, that's, that's like somebody was like, oh, great. I didn't punch you in the face today. Oh, I should be so grateful that that's the big, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Oh my God, that, that, oh, that's where we're starting. So I guess, and sure, I can be, I should be happy about the fact that you didn't, or should I, should I have realized that that should never have been the starting point? That should never have been the option, right? So this is, this is where we're trying to get. So I, I you know, in these discussions, I try to create, you know, perspective of, of, mm-hmm. of really what we're up against and really, you know, like what we're dealing with, because I find this to be kind of one of the limitations of the English language is that we've got, uh, we got a lot of words that mean different things, but we use them in similar contexts. So many times we don't even realize the conversation that we're in because we're using the same words to mean this, you know, very, very different things. We've got different interpretations of what things are. And at the core of that, it's just like when I ask people like define racism before we even talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and, and most people are kind of like, huh? Uh, yeah. And, and it runs the gamut <laughs> yeah. of like, oh, I think it's, I, I think it's lynching. I think it's the KKK. I think it's that. And then you know, others are like, oh, I think it's just you know prejudice based on race. And then you've got others who are like, actually, it is you know prejudice based on race plus power. But we've all used the same term, right? And so we're trying to engage in these discussions and without we, actually clarifying right. what we're talking about. And we use it loosely and, and, and flippantly to where yeah. we, we almost devalue the word. Right? We, 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 we throw it around and people are like, you know, and then you talk about like systemic racism and how that shows up and, and, you know, and what that even means. And so like, I, I think I try to make an effort to devilify the word, mm. you know, in and of itself. Uh, and to, you know, to kind of like get people to understand what's being encompassed in that, in that phrasing, you know, in, in that, in that framing and realize that it's on a spectrum and it's not just, you know, all about intention. Actually, intention rarely matters. Right. And this is, this is what people like get thrown off about a lot of times, especially even like in, in, in the corporate world is I'm like, intention rarely matters. Cause usually the first thing that I, 
I hear from people when I say like, oh, this is something that is not acceptable or this is something that's offensive. The first thing that they say is, I didn't mean that. Well, that's not what I meant. That wasn't my intention. Hmm. So usually intention only serves to let a person know whether or not they're in repeat danger. <laughs> right. But it, but it never really takes away the wound, right? So it's like mm-hmm. if you're walking through a park and you get hit in the head by a fly like baseball, whether the, the, the batter intended to hit you or not didn't remove the concussion. Yeah. You still have to heal, right? It, they didn't mean it or not. If they meant it, okay, I need to get to safety first before I nurse this wound. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make it better because I still have the wound, right? And that's kind of like what I, what I want people to understand. It's like, this isn't about, about the intention. So if you can engage in the discussion, not thinking that you're, you know, that you've got to automatically jump to the defense, but it's more about healing. It's about, you know, repairing what's going on. You're, you're more aligned to be able to figure out, you know, how to improve upon that situation or how to, you know, to kind of like help make it better. Well, let's explore that because just in, like in the case where I, I hit a, a, an errant foul ball and I hit you in the head with it, right? Yeah, and you got to heal. I mean, man, I'm going to feel like shit about it and I'm mm-hmm. apologized and this and that. So have I met my obligation by doing that? Do I need to do something more? And do you need to go, it's all right, let me heal, right? It's mm-hmm. all forget me for that to happen, right? You're going to have to forgive me for, and you see that I was as an honest mistake. It's the same thing. I say something that, you know, because of my, my upbringing and everything else, I didn't intend that to be a racist comment. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my God, Jimmy, I'm so sorry. And now I'm freaking out because now I'm freaking out thinking you think I'm a, I'm a racist. You know, yeah. you're still wounded because for whatever reason that whatever I said or did brought something back at hurt. I see that it hurt. What do we do now? Okay. So there, there's a couple of things that kind of like unpack in that. And one of them is, you know, cause you, you made the question of, of, do I need you to say, you know, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Like that makes it about you and not the person mm. that's wounded. So gotcha. don't make the person that is, is wounded, make you feel better. Gotcha. You know, a lot of times we're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like, wait, you know, like that's fine, but I, I, I get to be hurt. You know, like yeah. by, my head by, by what it is, right. right? Like my head hurts. It I, is what I need it to is. Nurse this. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't need to nurse you. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're dealing with that, it's it's one of those situations where it's kind of like, okay, great. I appreciate, you know, like that you apologize, but does the work in there? Not typically. Usually the, the, the goal of an apology is to actually like try to prevent it from happening again. Right. Right. So it's like, what's the thing? What's the learning there is do I take some do I how do I prevent something from happening again? And is it now incumbent upon me to, you know, make sure that I'm what I'm engaging in in my activities, you know, in this case, playing ball? Am I am I looking out to make sure that, you know, like the field is clear? Am I being more aware of, you know, the people entering like the park? Do I then, you know, stop down when I think that there might be something that can cause others, you know, like danger? It's setting those kind of like protocols up. And to, to, to take that analogy into like, you know, into it, like if you made a comment that was like racist, it's me understanding like what 
impact when I'm engaging in conversation? Like, what was the thing? What was the danger, right? And do I need to create certain systems in order to make sure that I am not endangering others, you know, by activities that I wasn't necessarily aware could be a danger to others before then? So it's, what do I need to learn? What was the pain? Right. What was the thing that actually hurt? You know, I didn't intend for that to be like racist, but now have I learned what that is? And if I've learned what it is, I can now create situations or, or, or you know, learn a little bit more about like the language and adjust my, my language and my knowledge. But I can be focused on preventing myself from being dangerous again. I mean, I, that all sounds good. But at the same time, you know, you and I were working together. We have to work together. We sit side by side. Mm-hmm. I say something unaware that hurt you. Um, we go through this process, and I'm, you know, I'm like, "Oh man, hey, I'm sorry," and I don't keep pestering you, trying to make you feel. I get that mm-hmm. it's not your job to make me feel better. But if we're going to work together, if I'm, if our boss comes down and sees that we're not getting along sees that we're not getting along, isn't it our obligation to like, all right, let's just, you know, drive on and move on, right? There has to be some sort, to me, it seems like there has to be some sort of, on both parties, Yeah. like we've officially gotten past this. I don't know. And maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way, but like, you like. I think, I mean, at work, you've got a different uh, like responsibility than you do at home. You got a great point. Like we, we're, 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 it's not about us. It's about. The survival yeah. of this company. So we need to put you're, our differences. You're there aside. to serve. You're, you're right. there to That's serve right. a purpose right. and you're not necessarily there to be best friends. It great would be point. great when you have, you know, uh, cohesion and can work, you know, like well together, but your, your responsibility is to be able to do your, your work and to create a space that is safe for each other. And if that means sometimes that it's like your, your, your conversation stays solely focused on your job, then then, then that might be the option, right. right? It's it's focused on like on the work, but being able to put that aside. The problem comes into play when you know a person's interaction makes you not safe, like psychologically, emotionally, or you know, or whatever that is. So if there's a repeat of of you know language that's being used, or the types of jokes, or you know, uh, paraphernalia, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that you got, like up that that is you know, kind of like injurious to someone else, then, then those are the things that need to be addressed there. I would love for people to have that, you know, to be able to say, um, you know, we get along and, and we support each other and we do all of that. But I think, you know, in the workspace, we also have to understand that there are other yeah, types of situations and your behavior needs to be remembering that, that you don't necessarily always have a choice of the people that you're around. Yeah. And, and they don't have a choice about being around you. Yeah. So that is why you've got corporate policies and codes of business conduct and handbooks mm-hmm. and things like that, that, you know, and I think this is, again, a perspective conversation where people are kind of like, I don't know why, you know, why I have to do this and this like this, like we're friends. No, you're in a business. And there are protections, there are laws that, you know, that protect people because of that very nature of like, this has a direct impact on that person's ability to live, their livelihood, their check that they yeah. earn, that they take home and all of that. So that's a very different kind Absolutely. of stakes are different than what you've got in your personal life. I like what you said there. And I, that reminds me, I don't like it when companies say we're a one big family here. And I'm like, no, we're not. 
This isn't a family. This is more like a professional team. It's more like a, right? It's a professional team. Because I can get a professional team. I can get rid of people. I can cut people. And if you don't cut the mustard, I can, I can bring in somebody new. My family, I can't do that. I'm stuck with them. And I got to deal with all the dysfunction every Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. So I don't like the, we're a family thing. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's sad to think about, cause I know what they're trying to do and you're trying right. to get, you know, make people feel like, you know, cause you spend more time a lot of times with the people that you work right. with than you do your own, you know, things. but the reality is, is like, no, we, we work together, and, you know, and, and we have a function. And there's a, and I like to look at it too. It, this is a life and death situation. Say there's 150 yeah. employees in this company. Well, that's 300 people assuming just every person that works there has one person that's dependent upon this livelihood. There's lives. Yeah. There's lives at stake here. That's how there are lives at stake. Yeah. So you're Cause, absolutely because right. that's that income that people got to go home to. Mm-hmm. They've got children. They got loved ones. They've got medical bills and things like that. And if this goes sour, yeah, it impacts my ability to do to do that. It impacts my ability to do life. Yeah. You know, which is why this conversation is so strong when people are talking about you know representation matters and companies adopting mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, like policies because it's like. Our lives are being impacted. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're making it difficult for me to do life, Life. not just the stuff that's going on, you know, within these walls. Yeah. You said something earlier about that you were very direct, and I and I was going to mention it then, but it just reminded me. Is like I think a lot of time I came from, spent a lot of my professional time active duty in the Marine Corps, and that's one thing the Marine Corps I really miss was this kind of directness. And I think a lot of times that's how you solve a lot of these kind of thorny issues by being direct. I have four daughters and I always try to tell them like, okay, you're going to come across some men who are going to be pigs, right? And probably the same thing with you is your experience as a black man. You know, you're going to come across somebody who's a racist pig in your life. It's going to happen, right? Sometimes I think we discount the power that we have of able to, to, to stop it at its core if, is if we just have the courage to be direct and call it when we see it, right? Yeah. So like if someone's sexually harassing my daughter or if someone's, you know, says something racist to you or that's something offensive, you know, and, and just stepping up and calling it out. Because most people who are, I find that people who are blatantly sexist, racist, whatever, they're always coming from a place of lack and scarcity, they're not mm-hmm. a person of abundance. They're not a person mm-hmm. of, right? And when you call them on it, they typically shy away. I don't know. That I, I know I'm generalizing here, and it's easy to yeah. generalize, and it's fun to generalize. But I think, in, as by and large, I think sometimes we. My point was we discount the power that we have to stop that when we see it. It sucks to feel like well, I, why even put me in this position to you know. And it sucks that. If yeah. I'm the one getting offended, it just does, doesn't fair that I have to be the one to call you out on your bullshit, right? Yep. But my point is, is I think a lot of times if we have the courage uh, to to call it how we see it in a direct manner, sometimes it can really nip things in the bud. What are your thoughts when you hear me say that? I I agree that that I think that you know being able to call things out directly helps you get to the root of it. Mm-hmm. It's it. it when we don't, we spend so much time handling mm-hmm. symptoms. Yep. Perfect. We, you yep. know, we're mm-hmm. not, we're not treating the issue. We're not treating the core, you know, like cause 
we're we're treating the symptoms and it's like let's can we please get to the cause and i think my directness is 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 because i engage in these conversations so much that i'm like i'm exhausted (laughs) i'm exhausted (laughs) you know know, and i'm like i I just like can we cut to the chase Let's, let's get to the root of it so we can actually engage in that you know, like mm-hmm. discussion, not all this peripheral, you know, uh, you know, this, this, oh, I think it's this, but it's not about that, y'all. Like, it, it's really about like, it's at the core. This is why you hear that, that repeat of like, what are you protecting? You know, like me asking like those types of questions. It's like, you know, what's the value? What conversation are we in? Can we clarify, you know, uh, the language that we're using? When you say that, what do you mean? When I say that, this is what I mean, so that we can at least establish the, mm-hmm. that like we're engaging in the same you know discussion so that we can cut through the noise and get to the actual message and that is where like directness for me uh comes into play and i think though is that people are are reluctant to be direct because they haven't learned that skill set because they either again direct you know uh equate that with being a, like with rudeness or being angry or being sharp or being you know like all of those types of things it was like no 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 you don't have to add all of that on top of it you don't have to be rude in order to be you know like direct you don't have to be in in like oh i'm going to get and a lot of times people do that in order to to, to muster the courage so they got to steamroll through because they're not familiar you know like with you know, honesty without all of this other, you know, kind of like flavoring on top of it. <laughs> right. uh, so I think people just don't en- en- engage in it because they don't know how. They're not really, you know, equipped to do it. But to them, I say practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, and, and, pra- and check your intentions as you are, you know, forming your messages. It's like, what is it that I'm actually trying to communicate? And am I adding noise on top of that message? If I am, let me take that, that noise away and let me get to the, like, to the core of the message. And sometimes it's just, you know, engaging in, in those discussions and prefacing it with being like, look, I really just want to get to, like, the, to the core of what it is because I, I take this really, really seriously. Um, so what I am about to say, I, I hope it's not offensive, you know, but I, but I, but I want to navigate that. So can we talk specifically about what's at the core of, you know, of us being upset because I want us to be good, right? And if and sometimes doing something like that in the beginning kind of opens up yeah. that that, yeah. that that door to to get through it. Man, I could talk about this stuff with you for. I'm looking at the clock. <laughs> and I'm like, this is such a fun conversation for me because I, I, I'm enjoying it too. I think what I see in you, Jimmy, is that at the core, I think you're in love with the human condition. I think you're in love. I, I think you're coming from a place. I, I don't know if you've ever in, um, consciously thought about this, but I think what you're getting at is what I consider the kind of agape style of love that's lacking in leadership, right? Mm. I think I really do think that you're coming from a place of like you really do care about the human condition. 100%. And I think that's what's missing in a lot of leadership in a lot of the public spaces, the political spaces, the media spaces. And, you know, and you see someone like like – your your title, if you someone like that, you know, and I, I don't envy you at all because I can just see the, re, the you know, like, oh, my God, here comes a guy. He's going to come in. He's going to mandate all these mandatory requirements, this and that. He doesn't understand. Right? Yeah. And so I applaud you for having to, to kind of navigate through all that 
trash right <laughs> <laughs> look i don't see it like that you i know, know but I, i'm just i'm looking I, I, from I, I my know, perspective I, get it. I would i like oh my god i would be i would be throwing up every night before i had to go meet this new organization so i applaud you for 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 doing it you seem to be approaching it from a a way that again i think is fresh that i to be quite honest i haven't heard a lot of people talk about it the way that you talk about it you know what I mean? And I guess my point is that you're, you're definitely coming from a place of love and authenticity. And I think that that is what is going to keep driving your success. I think, I don't know. That's just my thank, perspective. Thank, no, thank you for that. Cause that, that, that definitely is, is the goal, right? It's, I, I try to look at it as, as practical, you know, as, mm-hmm. as possible and considering all the variables and understanding the humanity of, you know, like of the process and, with that though it's like i i do understand that that sometimes these are hard discussions to get Mm -hmm. into i understand the barriers that are you know that are built up i understand that sometimes people are like it's hard for people to imagine things that they've never seen or Mm -hmm. they've never experienced so we try to bridge you know like those gaps you know like wherever possible um and then sometimes you just you you realize that grasping it might be out of people's reach so what do you do in the absence of that. So that's why I also have a a respect for policy, you know, and and practice is because I'm like, because grasping seems to be out of their reach and I'm not going to make this group sacrifice because they can't reach that. So here comes policy. Then in the end, like in the, in the middle of all of that though, we still try to work toward understanding. Well, I think that's, that's the best we can do. I think that's, and that's a healthy way to look at it. I think at, at least yeah, I think that I think that's the best way to approach policy and it seems like everything that you believe has to be rooted like we said in the beginning of this conversation in some sort of fundamental value and principle. If that is if if we can strip away the layers of that, then I think that's the best we can do, right? Uh, other, otherwise we're just going to be banging heads, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm committed to staying in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just, I, and I hope that others get inspired, you know, to do, because that's, that's really my driver is just kind of like, how, how do we get people, you know, to, to continue to engage and then to manage the expectation of, of, of what you're engaging in? Because people come in with this perception of thinking like, when I talk about, you know, equality, I'm talking about this, or I'm talking about that. And it's just kind of like, let's just, you know, well, let's let's manage that and let people know that it's going to be difficult. It's we, and we can't fast forward to fine. I you know that was a big takeaway that I had from this conversation is like why why do we have to rush towards this putting up in a neat bow a package called fine because yeah. it's it and there's a lot to be said about someone who appreciates and understands just like a personal trainer would your, your analogy there is that this is messy work and you're, yeah. you're willing to get messy and gr- And look, and leadership is gritty, grimy. It's lonely. Uh, it's not popular a lot of times. Yeah. And, um, but as long as you are rooted in those values and principles, I think that's, and I, yeah. So this has just been a, a great conversation. Uh, Jimmy, I'm glad to know you. I'd love to stay in touch with you and continue the conversation. But th- this, I think you're doing great stuff. And I think if there's anybody that can navigate through this morass, it, it's definitely. I mean, you're, de- you're definitely doing it. And and I feel like I've I've walked away from this conversation um, um, with value added on my front. So I appreciate the conversation today. Thank you.
Thank you. I, I appreciate it too. I, I really do. How can people, of course we can stay in contact. Absolutely. Yeah. And how can, how can people learn more about you, reach out to you, uh, connect with you? Like I'm just, on, I'm on the socials, on social, yeah. social media, like uh, Instagram, you know, is, is probably the, the, like the easiest way to kind of like know what's going on and what I'm doing. It's just Jimmy underscore Vaughn. It was like at Jimmy, which Jimmy spelled like Hendrix. So J-I-M-I and V-A-U-G-H-N. Yeah, no A at the end. Jimmy, it's not Stevie Ray Vaughan's brother, not the guitar player. Right, so. right, 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 right. <laughs> I've also often been told, he's like, do you know you got a double guitar name? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, Jimmy Hendrix. And yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And, and I'll have links to, to on the post so people can connect with you and your website and everything else. But man, thanks for awesome. coming on the show. Thank you, Richard. It's, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.